I'm doing a little two-part series called Generous Lives, and I've called my talk today Investing in Eternity, and I'm going to be speaking out of Matthew 6, so if you've got your Bibles and want to grab that from Jesus' teaching in his Sermon on the Mount. So let's read the passage. It's Matthew 6, 19 to 21. I'll give you three seconds to get there. Treasures in heaven, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy. We don't use the word vermin much anymore. Vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is in the Sermon on the Mount, his most profound teaching on what it means to live a kingdom life. And I often meet people who go, oh, I love the Sermon on the Mount. And I look at them and I'm like, have you ever read the Sermon on the Mount? It's pretty challenging stuff. It's really challenging stuff. And in it, Jesus talks about the things that really matter most in life. And money really matters. Now, um, if you're here for the first time or haven't been coming along, I don't speak about money every week. I just want to put that out there. In fact, I haven't spoken about money since we launched this site uh, just over a year ago. So just wanted to put that into the room. But at the same time, Jesus does talk about our treasure and our money a lot. And therefore, it's not something that we should ignore. So he talks about our treasure and where our treasure is. And he, encor- he encourages this, us in this passage to store up our treasure He's like, store it up, store it up. And we're like, really? What's he talking about? And then he goes on to qualify it with, but do so in the right place. Store it up in heaven. You're like, ah. And Jesus talks a lot in his parables and teaching about the most obvious form of our treasure, money. And I'll use the words treasure and money interchangeably as I talk through this. Our treasure is more than just our money. It includes the things that we have, our possessions, our houses, our cars, our materialism, you know, the the things that we have. That's what he's talking about. Treasure refers to wealth, money, and what money can buy. And I believe that money is the number one rival to God for the human heart. I say that again, big statement. Put that in the room. You might disagree with me. That is all right. But I will go on and prove that I'm right. Uh, no, 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 no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That was a bit arrogant. Very arrogant. That's a big statement. I would go back and say the big three are money, sex, and power. And I don't think they've changed. You know, the interesting thing is we're like, ah, oh, surely we've progressed. It's like over the 2,000 years, it's like, no, I think money, sex, and power are still the, the big three things that people struggle with. So let me just show you, just in terms of money, God invites us throughout the scriptures to look to him to fulfill our deepest needs and desires. He's like, look to me, I will satisfy you. Um, Matthew eleven twenty eight. come to me, this is Jesus, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for yourselves for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus in this moment is like, look at me. You will find satisfaction in me. That's the invitation to come to, fat, to satisfy, to find our security in God, to find our significance in God, our identity, our pleasure, our satisfaction, our fulfillment. God says, in me, all of those things can be found. Now, interestingly, money comes and says, come to me for those things. Money will say, come to me. Do you want to feel secure? Focus your life on me. I'll give you security. That's what money says. Do you want to feel significant? Focus your life on me and I'll make you feel like you're somebody. I'll make you feel important. 
You want identity, you can just buy it. The right clothes, the right house in the right area, the right car for who you want to be. Freedom. Earn and hoard enough and you'll have what the world calls financial freedom. Heard that? You want pleasure. There's nothing money can't buy. You want satisfaction. Just buy the next thing that your heart desires. You want fulfillment. Focus on money and all it can buy and you'll have a fulfilling life. That's the message that our world bombards us with. Day in, day out. This will satisfy you. Money promises us those things and ultimately, that only ultimately God can give. Security, significance, identity, freedom, pleasure, satisfaction, fulfillment, all of those things. That's why the world is so obsessed about money, because it promises so much. However, the truth is, and you know, most people know this, if you take any one of those promises that money makes, you'll find it to be hollow. Those things can only really be found in God. But what money and what it can buy is constantly constantly saying, look to me and I'll give you what you desire. There is a war on for the human heart. That would be the picture I'd give. There's a war on for our hearts. That is why Jesus says you cannot worship both God and money. And they use, you know, the the language of mammon. You can't worship both mammon and God. You know, these two things set themselves up. There's a great book a little book by a guy called Randy Alcorn called The Treasure Principle. In it, he writes, Jesus takes that profound truth, you can't take it with you, and he adds a stunning qualification. By telling us to store up treasures for ourselves in heaven, he gives us a breathtaking corollary, which I call The Treasure Principle. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. It's that simple. And if that doesn't take your breath away, you're not understanding it. It's quite a big thought, isn't it? You can't... Take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. That's what he's saying. Jesus says, invest in my kingdom, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, and you'll have a guaranteed return. Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be, will be also. Our hearts are entwined with our treasure. They are inextricably linked. Now, incidentally, you and I cannot tell where somebody else's heart is. We can't make that assessment. We cannot look at somebody else and go, based on the kind of car that they drive, the house they live in, the holidays they take, it's not our business, and it's not possible. Because we cannot tell based on externals, and because we don't know their private financial affairs. We cannot look at somebody else and make a judgment on them. The question we're to focus on is this, where is my heart? It's a personal thing. It's like, where's my heart? It's where our treasure is. Now, we tend to think if someone's heart is captured, then their money follows. And that is sometimes the case. But Jesus is telling us something really powerful here. While it's true that our treasure will go where our hearts is, it's also true that our heart follows our treasure. It's the other way around. Decide where you want your heart to be and invest your treasure there. He doesn't say sort your heart out and then your treasure will get right. He says change your treasure distribution and then watch what happens to your heart. Your heart will change. John Altberg, in The Life I've Always Wanted, he says this, the money deal is a trust issue. Jesus understood when people give their treasure, something happens to their hearts and they open themselves up to experiencing the reality of God in their lives like no way else. So when people invest their treasure in the kingdom of God, something happens to their hearts. Invest your treasure somewhere and you'll find that your heart follows. Mark Lloydbottom, we've got some good names today. Randy Olcott and Mark Lloydbottom, the money devotional. Here here he says this, here, Jesus is telling us that our hearts, our desires, hopes, and wants 
are closely tied to our treasure. In fact, your heart often follows your money. If Jesus alerts us to this powerful tug of our heart, it must be something we should pay close attention to. If you want to find out where your treasure is, then examine your bank and credit card statements and you will see which side of this tug of war is winning. Your priorities will be evident from those statements. The spending of your income indicates where your heart is. This is one of those areas where it's actually really quite easy to see where our heart is. We, we literally get out our bank statements like, oh, that's where my heart is. If you wonder about whether it's true that our hearts follow our treasure, may I suggest an analogy? I got in trouble with this because I suggest, suggested that people actually did this last week. And Alice, our associate pastor, turned around to me and was like, I'm not sure this is the best thing to suggest. I suggested that you go and buy as many shares you, as you can in Microsoft and Apple. And she was like, James, can I just talk about that in your talk? Maybe don't, maybe say it's an illustration. I was like, okay. This is an illustration. If you invest some serious money in Microsoft and Apple and see if you don't find your allegiance to that company grows, you will find if you bought a whole load of shares in them, you are more interested in how that company's doing. You'll be keen to see the latest product it brings to market. You will find yourself willing in it to expand and to be fruitful and successful. You'll be delighted when you hear stories of it doing well. You don't have to make a decision to be focused on that company's success. It's just the natural consequence of the fact that you've invested your treasure there. It's like, well, that's where I put my treasure there. My heart will follow. Same, Jesus says, with the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Same dynamic. Where we invest our treasure will dictate where our heart is. Randy Orkhan again, he says this, God wants your heart. He isn't looking just for donors for his kingdom, those who stand outside the cause and dispassionately consider acts of philanthropy. He's looking for disciples immersed in the cause they give to. He wants people so filled with a vision for eternity that they wouldn't dream of not investing their money, time and prayers where they matter most. Boom. <laughs> I did say it's challenging stuff. So the first challenge to us all and decision that we're called to make is where is our treasure going to be? Where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Do you know what? I've been a Christian for a long time, all of my life pretty much. The interesting thing is th the older you get, the more you desire to be secure. I've noticed it in my own heart. There's something, you know, when I was 19, security wasn't a big deal. Suddenly you've got a family, you've got responsibilities. You're like, I'm a responsible person. Security becomes a bigger deal, and it's in these moments that money can really grab you. It's like, oh, I just want that financial freedom. I just want that security. And it's like, oh, do you know what? There's a, there's a lie in there. The one thing I would qualify in to say is that money does make life easier. So at the same time, our security is not there, but having money. Do you know what? When you are bumping along the bottom and you are really, really, really struggling financially, it is really difficult. And so I just want to admit that and say that's true. But the things that money promises, they are hollow. And so we're, as Christians, we're called to invest for eternity. That's what the scriptures say. So what does it look like to invest in his kingdom, to care about the things that God cares about? Do you know what? What does God care about? He cares about people. God cares about people. He cares about the poor. He cares about injustice. He cares about the hungry. He cares about the refugee. He cares about the asylum seeker. He cares about the person who has less. I don't know whether you've read the scriptures to do with the poor. The heart of God is biased towards the poor. I, I, I just think that's true. Like if you just read scripture after scripture, the orphan, the fatherless, and the widow throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament, those who have less. Let me read Matthew 25, 35 to 40. 
Again, this is so challenging. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine you did for me. When did we see it? When we saw when God's heart broke in us for the poor. One of the things that we're called to invest in is compassion. As a church, we have experienced significant favor over the last year in our compassion ministries. They are thriving. God has and is blessing us. One of our values as a church is to be courageously compassionate. Do you know what? People love the word compassion. They're like, yeah, I want to be compassionate. Compassionate. Compassion is really difficult. And that's why we've paired it with this word courageously compassionate. To, to wash the feet of the city is incredibly costly. So we love the word compassion because it makes us feel good. To actually be compassionate costs us. Those two things are really difficult, different. It's really hard work. Do you know what? The church has always been at the forefront worldwide of tackling poverty across the world. God is moving in our compassion ministries, the stories of people coming to faith, people having their hope renewed, quite literally seeing stories being rewritten have raised our expectation. And we want to see more. The need in Cardiff is simply growing. Cardiff currently has a higher number than usual of asylum seekers coming into our city. It's one of 12 dispersal centres around the UK. But we are seeing the world is coming to us. You know, often we talk about missions abroad. It's like the world's here. It's already in our city. And it's, you know, you just spend some time with Jackie. You talk to Jackie. She is involved day in, day out with the refugees and asylum seeker. It is heartbreaking. And this is in our city. This is on our doorstep. This isn't happening somewhere else. This is right, right here, right now. As a church, we want to serve our city we want to be known for outrageous generosity. And over the next years, we've got some big plans. We want to invest in our compassion ministries. We want to grow them in response to God's leading. Let me tell you about some new projects coming up. Some of you might have heard of a charity called Green Pastures. We are looking to partner with Green Pastures, who are a UK-based charity who work alongside other charities and churches with the chief aim to eradicate homelessness in the UK. That's a vision that I can get on board with, to eradicate homelessness in the UK. In, do you know what? In Leeds, Green Pastures have bought 153 houses. And they've pretty much stopped homelessness in Leeds because they have capacity for all the people coming towards them. It's mind-blowing. They partner with churches to buy a house that can be turned into home for those either living on the streets or at risk of becoming homeless. Now, we have been really, really involved in the homeless community and the vulnerably housed community. We have something called TABS where we feed people week in, week out. In, but Mark and Pete came to us a couple of years ago and they were like, do you know what? We want to do more. We want to do an alpha course in this community. So they ran an alpha course. Lots of people came to faith and they went, what are we going to do now? So they started a service on a Friday. Because they're like, we need to provide church. We, we want to do church in the week. So every Friday, we have a church that meets. 
where people are coming to faith. The Spirit of God is coming. It's absolutely amazing. I know Clive preaches there sometimes. Power of God's there. That's where God's heart is. So we're seeing that. But we don't want to just do relief. We want to do development. We want to see people's lives changed, that they come not only to faith, but that they can change their circumstance, that they can go into employment, that they can live a normal life. That's our heart. So that's why we're sitting there going, it's in response to all of these different things. We've got people that will go into this house, and so we're looking to partner with Green Pastures. We want to buy a house. We want to buy more than one house. That's kind of our heart, is in this area. We want to push into this with everything that we've got. One area. We've been given a new warehouse in the west of the city. I call it given. It's a bit strong. We're squatting in a warehouse in the west of the city. 10,000 square foot warehouse. For any of you of size, it's big. It's really big. We've been able to move storehouse in there, um, you know, our furniture distribution. But the amazing thing is, we've it's on a one-month rolling contract, but it doesn't look like it's going to get bought anytime soon. And actually, we've, we've reached a point where we've filled that and we've got a second one come up. So we're in the process of taking on a second warehouse. What's amazing, though, is it's just space, but other charities are getting involved with us. This is a unity across the city. Operation Christmas Child have come and said, do you know what, we're desperate for space. Can we use this? So they're in there right now. Food Bank have been like, we're desperate for some space over the Christmas. Can we use this as well? So what has happened is we've been given provision, and it's, an, it's amazing because then we can be able to bless. We can be blessed to be a blessing. It's a kingdom principle. And so suddenly God is beginning to unite people across the city to work on this. It's, it's beautiful. It's enabled us to create space for Grow Baby. Houses of Hope, this is another project that we want to do. Starting with Love Cardiff back in May, we, through our storehouse ministry, we often meet people who have been given a house, but it's absolutely disgusting. Do you know what I mean? There's no carpet in there. There's no furniture. There's no anything. There is no dignity at the heart of it. It's just this space that is manky. And so we're working with these people who are beautiful beautiful people and so I know that this happened back in May that John and the team went and they managed to bless this lady by in 24 hours completely redoing that house so that they walked in and that this lady and her children could walk in with dignity and so our hope is that we've got site different sites around the city west is going got north we've got central as we find referrals that small groups can get involved and they can begin to create houses of hope around the city where they go in for a 24 hour period and they completely blitz that house and make it a place where the people love to live can i just read you a little story the response of this We've done this a number of times. For one lady and her children, it led to her starting to go to a local church where she's discovered Jesus and started on, started on a life with her, him. It says this, and another lady says, I still can't believe my eyes every day I wake up. You've changed me as a person and made me feel I'm worth hope, and I will continue to keep my hope and faith, and that's all down to you guys and the team. I'm so grateful every day. I'd like to visit the church and you guys someday. I can't thank you guys enough. I so appreciate everything you've done for me and my little girl. She actually plays in her room and asked me to play in her room. It's such an amazing feeling. These are really, really small things, but they absolutely change people's lives. That's what we're involved in rewriting stories grow baby this is another <laughs> beautiful project that we're at god has used our grow baby project to do some amazing things we've seen mums come to faith and join our church we've given away hundreds of baby items and equipment joey who runs grow baby had another grow baby pro grow baby project in the uk get in touch to say that a mum of two who'd gone to their project that day used to live in cardiff and she heard directly from this mum that for two years she was part of our grow baby community and it had changed her life the better so again this is where i'm talking about not just relief 
providing items which are incredibly useful. That is brilliant and beautiful, but we're providing community behind it. it this is where people come to faith. They find family. That's what we want to be for people in this city. We want to be a family. Another monk came for the first time with a friend and called us aside to ask if she could talk. She told us that something was different about Grow Baby, but she couldn't put a finger on it, but that the love in the room was overwhelming, that she was brought to tears. She loved the place and couldn't believe it was all free. She so desperately wanted to give something back, so she asked us how she could repay the love and generosity shown that morning. What could she bring that would be of use? Clothes, nappies, etc., etc. She's come back week after week, and you can see the enjoyment she gets from the community. Serving the city one life at a time. God's favor is on our grow baby, but we feel there's more. We want to grow and develop this project. It's, it's been rammed. It's been absolutely rammed. So is it grow baby plus? We're like, can we launch another day? Can we launch in another location? In some senses, we're just like, God's favor is on us. How can we use this to bless the city? Blend and the small group has grown and the numbers in asylum seekers in the city has risen. And again, Jackie spoke about blend. But that small group is incredible. That's, you know, suddenly Jackie didn't, she kind of painted a picture, but they've got between 15 and 35 coming. Do you know what I mean? It's like, this is a big, small group of people who are brand new to faith. Most of them are Iranians, is that right, Jackie? Iranian people who've come to faith, then brand new to faith. Rick and Sharon, Jackie lead that small group every week. And they are just seeing remarkable stories of what God's doing in that community. The point is, God cares about compassion. And he calls us to invest in compassion. Can I tell you what else God cares about? God cares about the next generation. God cares about young people growing up to love and serve him. God really cares about that. Let me tell you a great story from Sunday in Central a couple of weeks ago. Pat, who's one of our guys, is just the most amazing teacher. Do you know what I mean? With the three to fours, they absolutely love him. He can tell a story like nobody else and the kids. So anyway, he told this story. And the kids were, and then he was like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do about ministry time? I don't know how to do this. Anyway, this little four-year-old got up and was like, I know what to do. She's like, I do this at home. My parents, are, you know, I, I know how to lead a ministry time. So she's like, we need to roll up a ball. And so basically this four-year-old started leading the ministry time in our kids' groups. She led the ministry time. And often we underrate young people. We're like, oh, they can't do that. Do you know what? I believe that four, five, six-year-olds can hear from the Lord. I believe that they could model something for us in the kingdom as we get old and cynical, that we could look at them and be like, you carry the Spirit of God. That's amazing. Both our sites are kids have prayed for words of knowledge in their groups and then come through into the adult service to pray. In the north, one of our many kids had a word about a man need healing in his lower back, and they were very specific about this. When they went into the service, all the words were shared and a man tentatively stood up. The team gathered around him to pray for healing. We found out later in the week that his back had gotten way better. In Central, our big kids came through to pray for healing. And amongst the people who came up for prayer was a woman who wanted freedom from addiction. One of the reception kids came over to pray and then had that moment where she lost all courage. And she was like, ah. But the kid's leader reminded her the sign that we do in kids' worship for breaking chains. And whilst the leader prayed, the child acted out invisible chains being broken off this lady. She sat there and she did this. God cares about the next generation. He cares about raising an army. We're not just babysitting. That's not what's going on in those rooms out there. It's like, oh, let's entertain the children while the adults have the real service. That offends me. 
find that offensive. Why? Because we're raising an army. And it takes a lot to raise an army. You know, we want to raise them to live and love in the kingdom of God that they can go. They are going into schools that are tough places to be right now. But what about we equip them to carry the kingdom of God into those environments? They're putting on the full armor of God. They're learning to live in their identity as children of God. They're learning the power and authority that they carry in his name. They're bringing the kingdom of God into their schools. They're challenging their parents about what it means to follow Jesus. When your child comes back from their group and they're like, Mommy, Daddy, let's pray. You're like, why haven't I been doing this with my children? They're challenging us. They're leading us. We want our children to lead us into freedom and fullness. They're inviting their friends to come and meet Jesus. They are the church now. I hate that idea that they're the church to come. No, they're the church now. They deserve our best and God has entrusted them to us. We also want to reach young people who aren't a part of our community. Over the last year, God has started stirring hearts of people. A number of people have started coming with a passion for this. Engaging with the youth outside of the church, outside of the church building. And suddenly what happens is God begins to stir something and then you hear the same conversation. It's like these fingerprints and four and five people start coming to you and you're like, God's on this, we need to do something. On the 25th of November, we are having a meeting to just... I say meeting, sounds too boring. Gathering of the Holy Spirit to see what God wants to do. It's a stirring of hearts and we're like, how do we respond to what God's doing? This is what happens. This is how the church works. The kingdom of God, the Holy Spirit moves and we respond to what he's doing. That is how, that's my job as the pastor is to say, where is God moving and how are we going to respond to what God's doing? And that's what we want to do. We're also seeing 16 to 18s group, the egg community, which is enjoying God's goodness, which are our 8s to 11s. That's exploded. Suddenly there's 25 of them hanging around and they start inviting their friends. That's my point. You, you start creating environments for them to be the kingdom people and they start being the kingdom people. You're like, wow. We want to invest in our young people, in our next generation. I tell you, and I'm just going to final point. What does Jesus care about? Jesus cares about his bride, the church. Jesus cares about people meeting him and he cares about his kingdom and not our kingdom. We want to invest in multi-site. We have, for many of you, you've been part of this journey of the north site being planted. But in 18 months, we will, plant a, we will have planted a north community and we're going west as well. It's a beautiful thing for those yet to come. Why do we do it? For the people not yet with us. Two new locations where the power and presence of God will impact our community. When I picture Cardiff, when the Lord, way back when he started speaking to me about this idea that we'd be in different locations around the city, imagine a picture of Cardiff, looking down on a picture of Cardiff, and in the central we had this massive bonfire. It's like this massive light, and at the heart of it is the presence and power of God. And then what God did is he took you, and he said, I'm planting you into the north of the city and God created another bonfire. And he was like, and what was it around? The presence and power of God. We are a people of the presence. That's what differentiates us from everything else. We are people of the presence of God. If you look through the Old Testament, the people carried the presence of God. In the New Testament, we carry the presence of God. That's what makes us different. So God's created another bonfire. What's God going to do in the next few months? He's going to create another bonfire in the West. It's already coming. The small groups have started. Activity people have started joining. They're like, I'm so excited. And it's not just to do nice churchy things. That doesn't excite me at all. That's boring. 
is to bring the presence and power of God into that part of the city. Why? In order that people will come to faith, in order that we can look after the next generation, in order that we can start compassion projects all over the place, and in order that people will come to faith. That's what we're about. That's our mission. That's why we do this. The 8th of March 2020, we're launching the West. This year, we're coming up to having seen 80 people come to faith in our church. That's... Not very exciting. That's not exciting enough. Come on, we can do better than that. We see 80 people come to faith in our church. This, this week, we've seen six people come to faith. So, guys were in the prisons last week. Do you know what I mean? Preaching um, last Sunday morning. Just, again, Ben Burns, one of our younger guys, preached. The power of God came. There was a queue of young men wanting to be prayed for. 15, 20 young men wanting to be prayed for on their knees. Two of them gave their lives to the Lord. In Alpha, we've got three courses actually going on this term, a couple in, in different places. Why? Because people want to come to faith. Um, in the central course, you know, there's 18 guests, and suddenly on they were talking about, how do I have faith? And Nicky Gumbel does that moment where he just invites people to come, and then four people gave their lives on Tuesday to the Lord. We're seeing people come to faith throughout our communities. I don't know about you, but that gets me out of bed. I'm like, that's a vision I can die for. I can go after that. So people are coming to faith day in, day out. In, in our north site, you know, in, in the baptism stories, there was a couple of people just sharing their stories of coming to faith because of this site. Do you know what I mean? It's like they bumped into a group in... Um, Roth Park, Roth Rec with our Love Cardiff project, and then a couple of months later they started coming here, and then they got baptized and gave their lives to the Lord. Why? This is the community that they've become a part of. It's beautiful. That's why we do it. The heart of it is caring about what God cares about, his kingdom, stewarding our treasure for him. One expression of this is giving to the local church. And do you know what? I don't think it's the only expression by any means. I think that we're called to be a generous people. I use the phrase generous lives, investing in attorney. I just wanted to show a couple of slides from our community. Oh, you are in. You're looking pretty cool. Um, the slides. Here we go. I just thought this is... Um, 2017, 2018, 2019, this is the growth of our community. And this is just our Sunday attendance. So on any given Sunday in 2017, 363 would come. 2018, 483. 2019, 535. That's about two-thirds of the church. You reckon about 60 to 70% of your community are with you any given Sunday. My point is, we've seen a lot of growth. Our kids are growing. Slide number two. 2017, 2018, this is the average number of givers in our community. And I don't know if you've noticed, but despite the growth, we are pretty much, we've had 250 givers for the last two years. So 250 people who regularly give as part of our community to this thing. Now, what it, can I tell you something that is really amazing? Because during that period, even though our number of givers has stayed the same, our money's gone up. Why? Because the 250 people have been even more generous. And so if you're here today and you give to our community, can I just say... A massive thank you. Because for you who have given, you have paid, you know, you've paid for the refreshments when people came in today. You pay for the donuts, you pay for the coffee, you pay for the fruit juice, you pay for this venue, you pay for the three alpha courses to happen, you pay for all of the compassion projects to happen. You pray, do you see how you pray for the small groups, you pray for the building, you pray for everything. And so I just want to, that is such a massive thank you from me because you've enabled all of this to happen. Slide number three. This is our average income per month. So 
Um, that's our average giving monthly income, 37,435 a month. If you'll notice on the left-hand side, there's 2,840. That is for the people that gave towards this site happening. That was for those yet to come. There are a number of people that over a two-year period pledged to enable this to happen. They were like, I'm going to give in faith because I know that God wants to do something here. And so our average giving is 40275 a month, basically. Our average expenditure is 38886 So we get in a little bit more a month than we spend. That's roughly what's going in. But the point that I wanted to make is the Lord is on us as a community. He is asking us to invest in our Compassion Ministries. He's asking us to invest in the next generation and he's asking us to invest in multi-site. We're going to be launching another site in the west of the city and that's going to require resources to be released. And so what we're praying as a church is we are praying for another 70 people to start giving. Over this next couple of months, we're saying, do you know what, for new people to start giving to this community because we're looking to raise our income by £5,000 a month. Why? Because... God's favor is on us. I'd, I just want to say God has always given us at every stage of this journey of 11 years what we've needed. And so in some senses, I'm, I'm faith-filled that the Lord will provide. He's provided all, all of this beautifully so far. And so my, my invitation to you today, and it's not something that's heavy. You might be here and you're exploring Jesus just to say, if you're exploring Jesus, let this one slide right over you. Do you know what I mean? You, you are welcome to be here and explore Jesus. Like, this isn't really for you because we, we just want you to meet Jesus. That's the key. If you're here and you're being part of our community for a while and you haven't started giving, then I'd just say there is a massive invitation to you. Why don't you join in in order that we can invest in the next stage of this community? And that's a beautiful thing. So why don't we stand and I'm going to pray.